at One Day University. We feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly scholar newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I hope you all had a great weekend. This is your host, Anna Shi. Thank you all for tuning in today. So, um, as I mentioned, I am part of the New Heights Educational Group, and you can find more information about them at newheightseducation.org, at or you can email us at newheightseducation at yahoo.com. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group, educational resources to help reach your goals. Before I begin, as always, I just want to clarify that I own none of the information that I'm going to talk about today. All of it can be found in the websites included in this episode's description, which you should be able to access as soon as the first half of this show is published. So um, today I'm going to be talking about uh, cardinals, and this is going with the Little Songbirds um, series that I've started since spring is in the air. Um, so the male northern cardinal is perhaps responsible for getting more people to open up a field guide than any other bird. And I can vouch for this since I know a lot of people who really, really like cardinals. They're really kind of this um, nice combination of familiarity, um, conspicuousness, and style. They have this shade of red that is like you can't take your eyes off of it. And even the brown females who don't have the red color like the males have a very sharp crest and warm red accents that make them pretty um, aesthetic. So cardinals don't migrate and they don't molt into a dull plumage. So there are still, um, so they basically have the same feathers all year round and you can see them any time of the year as long as, you're, um, as long as you are within their region. So I know they can be found a lot in the New England area. They're one of the many um, natives here. Uh, so you can find them in the snowy backyards and in the summer when you can hear their little whistles um, first thing in the morning. And they're one of the most popular birds 
so the cardinal is the official state bird of seven eastern states, so they're definitely pretty popular and well-liked among people. They're also abundant um, in the southeast, and the cardinals have been extending their range northward for many, many years, and now um, they can be found in many wintry areas with this color and whistle song as far north as southeastern Canada. So they've really uh, broadened their range. They, if you want to attract some of these little attractive fellows, you can stock your feeders with some sunflower seeds, because um, they do tend to like those, I believe. Uh, and these feeders have actually helped them spread northwards, and they've also gone west of the Great Plains. Uh, sorry, west of the Great Plains, the cardinal's mostly absent, but it is locally common in the desert southwest. In terms of its size and shape, it's fairly large, and it has a bit of a long tail um, compared to other songbirds, with a short, very thick bill and a prominent crest. So its color and kind of like black sunglasses, kind of like color around its eyes, and its crest are some of the most characteristic features. They usually sit with a hunched over posture and with the tail pointed straight down. So the male cardinals are brilliant red, like all over their bodies, and you're most and every time you see a red cardinal, it's going to be a male. So their male cardinals get most of the good reputation because of their pure red color. They also have a reddish bill and again the black face, which is immediately around the bill. The females, on the other hand, have a more pale brown color overall, with a warm reddish tinge on the wings, the tail, and the crest. So they do have a little bit of red, but they're mostly pale brown. They do, however, have the same black face as the male and the red-orange bill. So I think uh, you might be wondering why the males have the red color while the females do not. So I think it's probably because the females need to camouflage better. So such as when they are nesting and they need to protect their kids, they might have, when they incubate the eggs, they have to be well camouflaged from predators, so that might be why they have the brown color, whereas the males have the red color in order to attract females and such. Uh, for their behavior, northern cardinals tend to sit low in shrubs and trees, or they forage for food on or near the ground, often in pairs. They are pretty common at bird feeders too, but they may be pretty inconspicuous away from them, at least until you learn their loud metallic chip note, which um, I, if you look up some of their call, you should be able to recognize it. Forges, um, when they do forages on the ground, they kind of just hop on the ground or in low bushes, and sometimes they might forage higher in trees. Um, they readily come to bird, bird feeders, and again, they do like sunflower seeds, so if you do want to attract some cardinals, you can find, you can put some sunflower seeds in there, and they pretty like those. Uh, sunflower seeds attract black-capped chickadees too, I think, so many birds like sunflower seeds, I guess. Northern cardinals hop through low branches, um, and cardinals commonly sing and preen from a high branch of a shrub. So usually, I guess, they look for food on the ground or 
in the low branches of the shrub or they kind of um, or in the higher branches they just kind of sing and preen I suppose. The distinctive crest can be raised and pointed when agitated or lowered and barely visible while they're resting. So it's almost like a cat's ears I suppose or um, sorry a cat's tail maybe like when they're itch when they um, or perhaps a dog's tail. When um, the dog's tail or the cat's tail is kind of resting or they're not in a very good mood, they might be, the tail might be down lower and then when they're agitated or they're excited, I suppose, they kind of point upwards. You typically see cardinals moving around the ground in pairs during the breeding season, but in the fall and winter, um, they can form fairly large flocks of a dozen to several dozen birds. So I've never actually seen a cardinal flock before. Perhaps it's just because of where I live, but they do have a tendency to form flocks of many, many birds. Uh, during foraging, young birds give way to adults and females. To adults and females tend to give way to males. So they kind of have a little bit of a hierarchy going there. So like the males are in charge and then the females are second in charge and then the kids are at the bottom, I suppose. Cardinals sometimes forage with other species, including dark-eyed juncos, um, which are these little... The dark-eyed juncos are pretty cool. Are pretty cool. They're like these black birds that kind of have a shape similar to a sparrow mushed with a black half chickadee. And then they have a white belly, and then everywhere else is just like pure black. You can see them in the winter sometimes, and they're pretty cute. They, you can usually find them in like flocks and stuff, I think. A few times I've seen them, they've been in flocks, and they are pretty opportunist creatures in terms of looking for food. Uh, cardinals sometimes forage with other like species, including white-throated sparrows, other sparrow species, tufted titmice, which tufted titmice actually look a lot like cardinals, except because um, they have the little crest on the top of their head. But tufted titmice are, have a more pale blue or almost gray color on the back, and they have more of a pale um, white stomach feathers. So they do have different colors. So and mainly the main similarity between them and the cardinals is their crest. Uh, cardinals can also be found with goldfinches and several other types of birds. So cardinals fly somewhat reluctantly on their wings because their wings are a bit short and kind of round. So probably not the best type to make long distance flights. And cardinals usually take short trips between thickets while they are foraging. Pairs may stay together throughout the winter, but usually um, around 20% of pairs split up by the next season. So I guess they don't mate for life. Oh well. Uh, in terms of their habitat, northern cardinals can, can be found in areas like backyards, um, parks, woodlots, and some shrubby forest edges. So they're really found, um, they can be found where people are, like the parks and backyards, and they can be found in like a lot of shrubby slash woody areas. Um, usually, if you want to look for their nests, you can probably find them in dense tangles of shrubs and vines, which are pretty good protection areas for their nests. So here are some backyard tips for everyone. Um, so if you really want to attract some of these northern cardinals, and I don't blame you if you do because they are very cool creatures, nearly every, nearly any bird feeder you put out should attract northern cardinals as long as you live within their range. 
because again they do seem to like the bird feeders but they particularly seem to use sunflower seeds almost like black capped chickadees so you can leave um, these feeders or sunflower seeds in your in the undergrowth in your backyard or around the edges and you may have cardinals sooner or later nesting on your property which is very very cool just don't disturb them though because um you don't want you want them to be able to go through the reproductive cycle in peace um you can also look for these northern cardinals in dense and shrubby areas such as forest edges, overgrown fields, hedgerows, marshy thickets, regrowing forests, or any ornamental landscaping. So they can be found in a lot in a variety of areas that involve like dense shrubs and thickets. And remember they tend to not fly very high in the trees, so anything low on the ground and probably within um, your proximity is around the area where they will probably be hanging out. Um, cardinals, again, they, ne they nest in dense foliage and look for conspicuous and fairly high perches for singing. So, uh, but usually, of course, when they're foraging, you can find them in like the dense foliage and such. The growth of towns and suburbs across eastern North America has helped the cardinal expand its range northward, most likely because of the woodland edges, thickets, suburban gardens, towns, and desert washes that can be that are found like with these suburban type areas, and also with the fact that you have a bunch of bird feeders going around. And this concludes the first half of today's show, and I will see you all in just a little bit with the second half. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School, the world's fastest growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each, or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the second half of today's show on cardinals. So um, where we left off, I was just talking about some of the backyard tips for cardinals and where you can probably find them. They're also found in a wide variety of brushy or semi-open habitats in the east, um, from forest clearings and swamps to city parks, almost wherever there are some dense bushes for nesting. In the southwest, um, they can be found in the tall brush, streamside thickets, or groves of, groves of mesquites in the desert. Um, you can also find cardinals by getting a sense of the warm and red-tinged brown of females, which is a kind of pattern you might be able to learn to identify during its flight. Um, away from backyards, cardinals are still common, but can be kind of inconspicuous owing to their affinity for dense tangles. But you can listen for their piercing chip notes to find where they are hiding. And um, I think you should be able to, in one of the websites I put in this, the, in this episode and the first half of this episode's description, um, you should be able to access... Um, one of the links to find the calls of the cardinal and one of them is a kind of like piercing chip note and now here are some cool facts so only a few female north american songbirds sing but the female northern cardinal but the female northern cardinal does and often while sitting on the nest so that's pretty interesting 
This may give the male information about when to bring food to the nest. Um, and a mated pair shares song phrases, but the female may sing a little longer and slightly more of a complex song than the male, which is pretty interesting. People are more uh, perplexed each spring by the sight of a cardinal attacking its reflection in a window, car mirror, or a shiny bumper. So unfortunately, um, it might hurt the bird, but it is, I guess they just don't understand that it's like their reflection. Both males and females seem to do this, and they do it more often in the spring and early summer where they are both obsessed with defending their territory against any intruders. So I guess it's kind of like when cats defend their intruders too. Birds may spend hours fighting these intruders without giving up, um, and that would probably put a lot of damage on our cars too. A few weeks later, as levels of aggressive hormones subside, these attacks should end, though one female did, kept, did keep up this behavior every day for like six months without stopping, and that's definitely persistence. The male cardinal fiercely defends its breeding territory from other males. So when a male sees, it, sees its reflection on glass surfaces, it frequently will spend like the hours fighting the imaginary intruder. And um, the oldest recorded northern cardinal was a female, and she was 15 years, 9 months old when she was found in Pennsylvania. And that's really old for a cardinal. So in terms of their food, you already know that they really like sunflower seeds, and they also, but they also like fruit and insects, and feeding nestlings mostly prefer insects. So common fruits and seeds besides sunflower seeds include dogwood, wild grape, buckwheat, grasses, sedges, mulberry, hackberry, blackberry, tulip tree, and corn. Cardinals also eat many kinds of um, bird seed, uh, and they also eat beetles, crickets, uh, leaf hoppers, cicadas, flies, centipedes, spiders, butterflies, and moths. But so their diet is definitely pretty varied, and they eat a huge variety of food. But most of the time, they prefer to eat seeds, insects, and berries. Um, they might also eat caterpillars, ants, grasshoppers, um, or even snails. That's also one of their um, food preferences. So, but again, most of their diet is kind of like vegetable matter, which includes weeds, grasses, waste grain, leaf buds, flowers even, and many berries and wild fruits. And so they do have a pretty interesting diet there. So having a varied diet is good for any species because if one of those, so for example, they might not find a lot of insects, they always have the seeds and the fruit to rely on. And if they can't find enough seeds or fruit, they always have the insects to rely on. So they always have something, some kind of food that they'll be able to find to eat. In terms of their nesting now, males sometimes bring nest material to the female who does most of the building, um, which is probably assumed by a lot of other birds. She, What she does is that she crushes twigs with her beak until they're pliable, and then turns in the nest to bend the twigs around her body and push them into a kind of cup shape with her feet. The cup, um, or the nest, is has four layers, 
which are coarse twigs and sometimes bits of trash covered in a leafy mat, then lined with grapevine bark, and finally grasses, stems, rootlets, and pine needles. So if you look up some pictures of cardinal nests, you should be able to find like at least some of these elements in their nests. The nest, typically, the nest typically takes three to nine days to build, with the finished project with the finished product being around two to three inches tall, four inches wide, with an inner diameter of about three inches. Um, cardinals usually don't use their nests more than once, so once they use their nests once, they probably don't use it again. The male sings um, to defend its nesting territory while, again, with this aggressiveness, actively attacking any intruding males and attacking his own reflection in windows and mirrors, of course. In courtship, male and female raise their heads high and kind of sway back and forth while they're singing softly, with the male often feeding the, fe feeding the female early in the breeding season. So it's kind of like shaking back and forth, I guess. I don't know. I'm trying to imagine cardinals swaying back and forth and singing, which is putting a funny image in my head. Um, usually their nest is well hidden in dense shrubs, vines, or low trees, and they're placed 3 to 10 inches above the ground sometimes even higher than that. And the nest, um, so they really just want to protect the nest. A week or two before the female starts building, she starts to visit possible nest sites while the male kind of just tags along. And the pair call back and forth and hold nesting material in the bills as they assess each site. So they're pretty, they take nesting pretty seriously because I mean, after all, it's the future of their young. They want to make sure their young can survive. The nests tend to be wedged into a fork of small branches in a sapling, a shrub, or vine tangle, 1 to 15 feet high and hidden in dense foliage. I actually had a bird nest um, in, so in my backyard we used to have a bunch of like these bushes that were really like, that were creating a, almost like a curtain every time we tried to enter our backyard. I think a nest was there made by a cardinal because it seems to match this description and nobody and no bird ever came back to use it. And it was definitely in a dense foliage part. So if you look in your dense bushes or any kind of like really tangled areas of plants, then you might be able to find some cardinal nests there. Just don't disturb them. They use many kinds of trees and shrubs, including dogwood, honeysuckle, hawthorn, grape, red cedar, spruce, pines, hemlock, rose bushes, blackberry, brambles, elms, sugar maples, and box elders. So they use a really huge variety of trees and shrubs. Their eggs, they usually um, lay three to four, sometimes two to five, and their egg color is whitish to pale bluish or greenish white, marked with brown, purple, and gray. Incubation is almost always by the female alone, which is about 12 to 13 days, so about two weeks or so. And the young, uh, both parents feed, feed the nestlings. The young leave the nest about 9 to 11 days after hatching, so a little over a week or so, and the male may feed the fledglings while the female begins the next nesting attempt. Because the, because the female, um, she usually lays eggs or broods two to three times per year, and very rarely um, you may find female cardinals laying four broods a year. So in terms of the young, um, they're pretty like 
they're young and um, they again they need to stay they are incubated by the female alone for quite some time before they leave the nest so in terms of their conservation northern cardinal populations slightly increased between 1966 and 2014 um, according to the north american breeding bird survey and the Partners in Flight Organization estimates a global breeding population of 120 million, with 77% living in the U.S. and 22% in Mexico. They are they are rated a five out of 20 of the con on the continental continental concern score and are not like no like not on the 2014 State of the Birds watch list. The expansion of people and their backyards over the last few centuries has been good for the cardinals. So really, they're not facing a lot of danger in terms of like conservation, and they're and they're adapting pretty well to like our human suburbs and bird feeders and such. However, there have been some habitat loss in southeastern California, at the edge of the cardinals' range, which may cause the disappearance of the cardinal population there. Fortunately, there are plenty of other cardinals in the world to um, kind of compensate for that, I suppose. So, although we may lose a cardinal population there, there, um, there, the cardinal populations in general is not in uh, any particular danger. And that concludes today's show. Thank you all for tuning in today, and don't forget to join me next Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time when I talk about another bird. And as always, be sure to check out our past our array of past shows. I'm sure you'll find educational and fascinating and entertaining. And of course, feel free to shoot me an email if you'd ever like me to talk about a particular topic. You might just hear it in one of the coming weeks. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org for monthly announcements and other happenings. At One Day University, we feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly scholar newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com.